Welcome to the Family Connections Podcast, where we are connecting parents and families to God, each other, and the church. Thanks for joining us today on the Family Connections Podcast, where today's topic, we're going to be discussing understanding Gen Z culture. You might be wondering, well, who is Generation Z and and how would you describe them? So researchers say that Gen Z is the generation of kids born between 1999 and 2015. Yeah, and I just want to give kind of a, a first overview of six different things that have, by and large, uh, characterized this generation. Again, not that everyone falls into one specific category or have all of these elements, but I'm going to do the first six, and I'm going to throw it back to Mike Medeiros in just a second. But one of the first things that uh, researchers have noticed about Gen Z is that tolerance is huge. Tolerance is one of the mainstays of how they view interaction with each other. So non-judgmental, which means that course, if we've got a specific conviction, it can be really, really difficult to talk about that in a way, in a culture that really values tolerance. Uh, another one is, of course, digital natives, right? And screenagers may be a term that you've heard before. They're constantly in front of their screens. They know how to operate technology, and technology has been a consistent part of their life basically since birth. Uh, they've always had a screen accessible to them. And my children, of course, certainly feel that. I have a five and a three-year-old. They've never known life without screens. Uh, and then participation versus exclusion. It has been both a, a wonderful thing, I think, of this generation is that um, there's this idea that everybody's supposed to be included, um, that everybody's going to be able to participate and be a part of something regardless of skill set or Um, anything when it comes to their abilities, but everyone gets an opportunity to be a part of something. And then this is one, of course, that is difficult for us to walk through, but post-Christian. We're living in a time where, uh, while the United States would probably still say in some way, shape, or form, we attach to the Christian faith, that has dropped dramatically in terms of percentages of families that would say, yes, we follow any kind of a belief in who Jesus is, and then even the subculture of that, the moralistic values of Christianity. And then, of course, the one that we all experience is that truth is now relative. I, as a subjective individual, can decide for myself what is true for myself, and that cannot inhibit how someone else speaks to me or pushes their truth or their conviction upon me, which means that moralism is kind of fuzzy and ambiguous because nothing is really true if everyone can carry their own truth. And then this is another one that we experience, and this is not actually new, especially whenever it comes to uh, adolescence, is fairness. Um, We value what seems fair even over what's right. So it doesn't matter if it breaks down um, in a term that is more moral. It simply breaks down to does it feel fair for everyone? And then Mike Medeiros, why don't you give us the next six? Yeah, well, thanks, Mike. I I think that as we look at researchers like David Kinnaman and Barna Group and and Jonathan Morrow, it's... It's interesting that across the board, we can see certain things about this generation. One of the terms that people mention a lot is FOMO, the fear of missing out. And and that is huge for this generation, that they do not want to feel isolated and alone. And the opportunities for them to connect with others is huge. And that's important for us to understand. Another thing, too, is pure loyalty. So important. And even for my generation, I mean, that's true, but it's even amped up with the FOMO culture and the fact that when you're part of a group, a squad, a tribe, I mean, you are loyal and you do not want to uh, to be disloyal to whatever group because then you're going to be alone. And it's interesting with that pure loyalty, 
being very important, the same thing is that we've also found that family is deprioritized. That is the sense that um, they start to move away from the family unit uh, towards friends. And, and again, this isn't the only generation that's experienced this, but it seems to be heightened in that, that family means less and less, which I think is going to be a challenge for us to try to make family so important to this generation. The other thing that about Generation Z is it's very pragmatic, very career-driven. The stats from the Barna Group show more and more that kids these days in this generation are very career-driven. What's it going to be like when they're older and to have a career that matters? And this also rolls into the other uh, thing about Gen Z is personal achievement is huge. They want to accomplish something, and some of that is going to be within their career, and that they want to be noticed. Of course, this is amplified through technology, right, with social media, and that's a whole nother topic. But they want to be able to, to, to show that they've achieved something. And for many people, they realize that this generation is overprotected. And this isn't anything about the generation. Sadly, it's about the parents of this generation that overprotects them and so worried about everything that happens. And this is what Gen Z uh, kids have to deal with. And, and this is the, the new reality, so to speak, that Gen Z kids live in. Yeah, according to Jonathan Morrow, uh, this can actually, this new reality can be viewed through three distinctive words. So the first one of those is access. We touched on this just briefly real quick, but access. Kids have unprecedented access to information, opinions, and worldviews via technology. There is a bombardment with different ideas and things that we can attach our understanding to and how we view the world in a way that has never been experienced until the day that we sit right now. And tomorrow will be worse. Right? We will continue to have further and further access. Well, that's so true, Mike. And another thing that Jonathan Morrow mentions is alienation, which sounds so interesting because kids are actually isolated from societal structures and relationship. And, and here's the irony. They are disconnected in a digitally connected world. And, mm. a, and, a, and a third thing that he mentions is that of authority. You know, there's this new skepticism regarding who and what to believe. And, and so, um, yeah, there is a, an issue with authority is do I believe those people that have authority and are in control? And that's kind of the new reality. So in, in thinking about that, Mike, how, how can we engage with Gen Z more effectively? Well, with working with high school students, one of the things that we've seen that is really important is that no conversation is off limits. Um, everything has to be on the table. So sex, religions, media, drugs, and alcohol use, everything that we often try to protect our child from, and sometimes we don't realize we're actually just avoiding the topic altogether, those things have to be open to conversation. So we have to be willing to discuss divergent views, things that maybe we don't hold to openly. Um, and it's very difficult. I, I get this as a parent. I'm already trying to protect my five-year-old from different things, but recognizing, am I just trying to contain who he is, or am I trying to give him the tools to walk through some of the difficult areas of life? And so when we talk about these divergent views, we get to actually really receive golden information. We get to hear where they're at. We're not just boxing them in or shutting them down. These conversations, by the way, will be had with or without our permission. 
right, with friends, through social media. And we want to make sure that as parents, our voice is a part of, if not the main voice, a part of this conversation. And we have to recognize um, that our, our parenting style, when it comes to these conversations, we have to make sure that it's a dialogue. It's not a debate. Uh, it's, not, it's not a monologue that we say, here is what we think, and now you must deal with this. Um, certainly, there are spaces for that, and we recognize how our children get to different ages, and when they're, when they're ready for coaching and conversational, it's a little bit different. We'll get to that stuff later on in a different podcast. But one of the ways that we can practically do this is just ask good questions in order to engage conversation. So that means asking open-ended questions, not just yes or no, uh, making sure that we give them space to process in front of us. Um, and not just a barrage of questions, right? Sometimes we think like, okay, we're in question mode. This is not an interrogation though, right? We have to stay away sometimes from certain word usage. Um, instead of using why, just because that often puts people on the defensive, we can say things like, what made you think of that? Or uh, how did you arrive at that? I'm curious. Like, again, like you, you leave it soft toned and, and, and ready to uh, invite conversation. Um, if you get an unfiltered process from your child, that is so key because they haven't had time to make it presentable, make, th- make the filter of what does dad or mom want to hear, but rather your tone, which is so huge, right? You're, as we know, right? Communication, 7% of that is words. Everything else is mannerisms and tone. It's so important that we have that present. And then this is a big one. Um, conversations are not always just about being right but helping our children process and articulate things like probable outcomes, help them to see, okay, if we run from this specific mindset, where is that going to lead us later on down the road? Another one, uh, understand that morality is lived out in relationship. Um, We like morality to be categorized. We want it to be in a vacuum. It's objectified. And objective truth absolutely exists. God is the authority on those things. Our children are living that out, though, in a subjective reality where they're trying to reconcile all of that to their relationships. We want them to have close relationships that are God-honoring and that they, that they support our biblical beliefs. We want friends that are going to influence our children toward a relationship with Jesus and encourage them to that end. But when your children do have relationships or classmates, people that don't live by a biblical worldview, we have to be careful of villainizing their acquaintances. They're not just all bad individuals. Um, and we really can't avoid people that don't believe in the Bible. I mean, we just don't live in that era anymore. Not that we really ever did. We can't, we can't push that on them and make them think like, oh, if your friend loves Jesus, they're a good person. If they don't, they're instantly bad. And we start to drive wedges in between our friends. Um, so we have to ask questions and uh, bring things up to our kids. Hey, what do you like about hanging out with these specific friends? Have them articulate their own judgments of which relationships are beneficial and which are cause for cause for concern. So, oh, was that a, a healthy experience to hang out with them? And maybe rephrase it, of course, but that's your goal is to figure out and have them articulate back to you, it was good for me to hang out with this person, or you know what, that actually wasn't a helpful interaction for me. Ask questions about their friends and their families in a non-threatening way, because you don't want your kid to learn to shut off communication about one of their relationships. Mike, what's one of the hot tips maybe we can give some of the parents about this? You know, when you're talking about the tone and the way we talk, and that's huge. And, And I think the hot tip that I would say for this particular culture, this Gen Z culture, is that the way that we converse with our kids 
speaks louder than the content of our conversation, which sadly is often a monologue. You know, I, I know my role as a, as a dad, I can think back in conversations that were so content heavy and I wanted to get things across that just being present and listening and how I'm conversing with my kids really made a difference. And, and there's positive aspects, but there's things that obviously I, I, I failed at because I was more focused on the content. Sometimes it was to fix something. And I appreciate what you said about friends and some that might not have the same faith and, and how we almost get into a, a control aspect. So again, I think the hot tip for, for this is just the, the way that we converse. Again, to be reminded that that speaks louder than the content, that it invites further conversation with our kids. If we're talking with our kids and they always know that we're going to give them a list of to do or certain behaviors, then we're dealing with the behavior and, and not the heart. And, and really that, that hot tip then moves into what I think is a really important tool uh, that I call the heart monitor. I think that it's focusing on our child's heart and discover what their heart longs for. You know, we have a lot of idols in our heart and it doesn't matter what age we are. And I realize my own as a husband, as a father, uh, but yet for our kids, we're not focusing on their behavior, but where their heart is at. What does their heart long for? So my encouragement to educators and to parents in dealing with Generation Z is to find out what does their heart long for? As we get to listen and ask those good questions that you mentioned, we find out what does their heart long for? And I really think that's the most important tool that we have with this generation is to find out where are they at. Don't, don't get caught up in the, in the behaviors, but bring it back to why do those behaviors exist? What's going on in the heart of our child? And to realize that each of our children, is, each of them is different. They are unique. And so if we can find a way to monitor their heart, to know what makes them tick and what they long for, we'll have a better understanding. And, and this really is part of understanding this greater generation. It's very easy for one generation to judge another. Okay, I know for me, it being at the end of the boomer generation, you know, there's the little memes now about, okay, boomer. And, and I feel that it's so bad that for millennials and Gen Z that we're talking about, that we project things upon them. You know, for example, like they're so entitled, you know, everybody gets a trophy. Well, newsflash, who gave them the trophy? It was people in Gen X and, and millennials. So it's, it's, it's not anything that we could look at as one particular thing. But just kind of in closing our discussion today about understanding Gen Z, those things that you had mentioned, Mike, those things that we've seen in the research from, from Jonathan Morrow and for others, really helps us as parents and educators to see that we're dealing with a totally different generation, not just the technology that's at their fingertips, but they can have more information and yet the relational aspects are so lacking and mm -hmm. how it's so important for us as parents and educators to understand how these kids in this generation function, what it's like in their world so we'd be able to make a difference in their life and the way that we listen, the way that we speak. And again, 
to listen to where their heart is at so we can help move them forward. Well, I appreciate the things that you mentioned today, Mike, and it's great to work together with kids that are part of this generation. And for our listeners, we just invite you to, to interact with us as uh, we work with uh, young people in this generation and we're discovering new ways to connect with them in a deeper, more personal level. And we hope that you join us again for our next episode. Thank you, Mike, for your, your time and thank you to our listeners. Thank you for listening to this episode today. Family Connections podcast is hosted by the family ministry team of Cornerstone Bible Church. For resources and more information about the church, please go to cvcglendora.org. We would love to connect with you. Here are a couple of ways. Subscribe to Family Connections. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Interact with episode topics, ask questions, and share ideas on our site, familyconnections.buzzsprout.com. Do you like what you hear? Please leave a review. We look forward to being with you next time on the Family Connections podcast.